Did you know that the Bahamas is the playground of the world's rich and famous? And did you know the world's third largest wine cellar is in Nassau? Hello and welcome to Tripcast 360. We are the podcast of lively banter about travel, tourism, and entertainment. And this is Michael Gordon Bennett coming to you from Las Vegas, Nevada. And I am joined, as always, by the Barbados Flash via the Big Apple, or more precisely, Long Island, Dave Cumberbatch. <laughs> Dave, 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 uh, we've got our dear friend Catherine back, uh, uh, our adventure travel guru, who we've created an entire section of our website just for her. And I'm kind of excited to have her back on our show. Well, you're both extremely excited, and our, our audience will be excited as well. Um, there's a whole lot we can say about Catherine. I mean, her her podcast has, has has done extremely well on our platform. So there's significant demand uh, to have Catherine back. We try extremely hard not to talk about COVID on our podcast, but we can't help it. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's just it's it's simply part of the conversation. And did you know that the Provax conversation volume grew by 8% in Twitter and in March and April. I had no clue. Yeah. Whereas the neutral Vax community fell 16.2%. I I am still trying to wrap my head around this issue of people not wanting to get vaccinated. I'm sorry. I'm maybe I'm old school. I mean, I was born the year that the polio vaccine was widely distributed. Uh, Obviously I was a little baby, but I've seen the, the, the video clips of celebrities like Elvis Presley and all those guys saying, get the polio vaccine and stuff like that. And then all of a sudden we run into the anti-vaxxer crowd in this last generation. And it, it's a sore subject with me because I, I don't get, I don't get it. But by the way, I don't know if you know this or not. Ohio is giving away a million dollars for people who get the yeah. vaccine. Guess yeah. what? Just this morning, I read an article and this is, we're recording this on May the 18th. Just this morning, I read an article. They had 25,000 people get vaccinated every weekend. <laughs> money, 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 money. Well, you know, this is trivia time for you, if you don't mind. Okay. Um, do you know what was the most popular hashtag? Can you guess? Please tell me it's not COVID. Um, <laughs> <laughs> COVID. COVID-19 was the most popular hashtag at 33% as of April the 30th. While, <laughs> while with the pro-vaccination hashtag, get vaccinated, reaching the second highest number of conversations at 14%. Isn't that amazing? Wow. We, <laughs> we can't get away from it. <laughs> you, you know, we're, we're going to be talking about it for a while and, and not the... the not to keep beating the, the a dead horse here, but in a way we kind of have to. I mean, look what's happening in India. Oh, and man, that's for, terrible. For those of you out there listening to this podcast who don't think what's going to happen to India is going to affect global travel, you better wake up um, because there are a billion people in India. And the last I saw, they only had 2% of their population vaccinated. Even if you put a big you know, 90,000-foot wall around the entire country, viruses don't respect walls. They move. Exactly. And on some level, the global community, including the United States, is going to have to come together to help the people of India. It's already leaking into Nepal now. 
and some of the surrounding countries. So uh, this isn't going away anytime soon. And the, the faster we can help them, the better. I read an article today where the Biden administration is saying, I forgot how many, um, how many vials or whatever of the vaccine, but they, you know, they're supporting India and sending, sending some of them out to India. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, I think it was, I know they'd already uh, approved the AstraZeneca, but they were waiting for the CDC to sign off on it because they were still going through trials. But uh, Pfizer and Moderna are the ones that they were going to send over. Then I, I think it was 10 to 20 billion vials, you know, which will populate one-tenth of a percent of their population, or I'm sorry, 10 <laughs> to 20 million, uh, which only populate like one-tenth of a percent of their population. But yeah. I, I say all that to say to you that it's not just getting them the vaccine. It's one distribution. The th- it's, there you go. And, and mm-hmm. that's one of the things where the Biden administration actually did very well is setting up distribution infrastructure to get those vaccines out, which is why, you know, mm-hmm. our, our numbers have dropped so precipitously. But yeah, the, the, it's one thing to send them the vaccines. It's another thing for a system to be put in place to distribute it. And India is perfectly capable if, and I don't know where this is going. I, I saw the stories on it a couple of weeks ago where they were going to, um, uh, I, I guess, the, the patent stuff on it. The mm-hmm. Biden administration was supporting, you know, really, the patents on it so that India can make it for themselves. Right. But, uh, the, the, you know, there's some natural, uh, some resources that go into making the vaccines too, that I think are in short supply. So this is, this is a hot mess just because we are doing better. doesn't mean the rest of the world is. Global travel is huge, man. Maybe can't escape it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that on some level we've, we've got to wake up to the fact that, you know, we've got to help. And if we don't help, if we're absent from the table, we're never going to get past this COVID because guess what? There's another pandemic coming or another virus coming that we're going to have to deal with. And if you don't get COVID under control, you could have two or three at the same time. So listen, let's not be stupid if you're listening to this and understand what we're up against. That's right. Anyway, on to pleasant subjects, my friend. <laughs> yeah, there, 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 there was a pause there. I get it. Anyway, um, no, uh, before we get Catherine in here, a quick uh, housekeeping notes. Uh, Tripcast 360 podcast is available not only on our website, tripcast360.com, but it's also available on all the platforms, Amazon, Google, Spotify, iHeartRadio, pretty much any place that you can find our podcast. Share, like, subscribe, share with your friends. We are a different kind of podcast. Uh, because we totally believe in being entertaining and entertainment is also part of our platform where we um, merge traditional entertainment with travel. They're, they're related anyway. So we're the only podcast out there that I know of that's even coming close to doing something like that. So please uh, uh, join us. And before Dave takes the mic, uh, I'm also going to make a big um, push for our Instagram contest, which starts on June 1st. There's a couple little uh, postings on Instagram. There'll be a blurb on our website shortly and uh, hope you'll participate. There's a $50 gift card attached to the winner. Uh, It's called Guess Where We Are. We're not going to tell you, uh, but we will give you specific directions at the appropriate time about what we're looking for in the answer. So please uh, start off by just following us on Instagram. You can do that now. You don't have to wait for the contest to start. And... um... We'll be derelict if we didn't mention that we are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. And as I say in every single podcast, follow us, like us, message us, and tag us. And to begin receiving our newsletter, just go to our website, tripcast360.com and sign up. 
And we need to let our audience know that we're more than just a podcast. Our website is a unique consumer-friendly approach that provides our audience with the information they can use either to purchase products, you know, our shopping cart will be live soon, or just to have a fun, good time hearing and reading about our traveler experiences. Cool. like it. And by the way, we are working on a store, storefront that we yeah. pretty soon. And we're kind of excited about that. I've been working on it for about a month now. It's a little cumbersome than even I thought, but uh, it's coming <laughs> together. <laughs> um, so hopefully we'll get that launched soon. Uh, and you can find not only merchandise, but you'll you know find travel deals. You know, a lot of our guests have had books, so you'll find all their books on there, which you can purchase through us. Um, you can get other products that will come directly from us. So it, it may be a month or so before that's launched, but it, it definitely is in the But it's work. coming. It's, it's coming. coming. No sense in us telling you about good travel stuff. If you can't find it uh, on somebody else's site, we may as well just give it to you right up front. There you go. Now, without further ado, our returning champion is Catherine Parker Magyar. You probably know all about her, so I won't bore you with all the details of her massive bio. Just understand that she has a trip to the Maldives coming up soon. Hint, hint. Um, and uh, Catherine, you know, she's written for Forbes, Architectural Digest, and about a thousand other um, platforms. But we we love her so much and we thought so much of her that we've actually created a special section on our website that is reserved just for her. It's called Adventures and it's Adventures with Catherine Parker Magier. It's actually on our homepage uh, and we've created a separate page on it as well. And Catherine is, um, uh, I, I can't say enough kind things about her and her knowledge base, but more importantly, she's also a good friend. And Catherine, welcome back. Glad to have you, and uh, uh, hopefully uh, you didn't drown in that uh, intro. No, thank you guys so much for having me back. I was, it's always such a highlight for me, so I'm excited, you wow. know. Your travel stories are extremely captivating, Catherine. You were with us for season one. You did distance adventures for the, the Intrepid Traveler last February. You did the Galapagos Islands. Your appearance has been such a success that, as Michael said, we've asked you to share your travel experiences on a monthly basis. I'm um, so excited. Thank you, guys. Yes. On this episode, you agreed to focus on the Bahamas. Why the Bahamas? So I feel like just as a, as a writer in general, but particularly as a travel writer, I like to spotlight places that I feel aren't getting the respect that they necessarily deserve, or it really bothers me. It bothers me about the Caribbean. It bothers me when people have these really lazy assumptions that they know what a place is about because they've gone to the all-inclusive resort. And I'm, I just, I was in Alaska on a fishing trip, which probably, you know, the people who are spending a lot of money to go fishing in Alaska in June are like a lot of guys from Texas. No offense to Texas. I do love Texas. But he was like, oh, you write about the Caribbean a lot? Oh, I've been there. And I was like, where? And he was like, oh, I don't know. Like, um, I was in Barbados for a second. I don't know. And he's like, they all, they all kind of look alike. And I was just so offended as on oh. the behalf of the entire Caribbean. I was like, no, they don't. You're just staying around the, um, you know, you're staying around the cruise port. And I think that there is a certain type of traveler for whom travel is less of a verb and more of like a anti-verb, you know, you want to just lie. And that's, if that's what you want to do. I mean, it is paradise. But I feel like there's so much more to that, to those destinations than that, like not discounting like the people, 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's not just the beach. Like, the history is, is so cool. There's the culture. And I find, for me as a journalist, what's been really great and really rewarding for me reporting on the Caribbean is that at every turn, I'm just encountered by people who are so eager to tell, to tell, the, to tell their stories and to, like, highlight a different side to the Bahamas. Or, I mean, I did a Caribbean safari. I like to call it a Caribbean safari, although, you know, unless you've got a lot of time in a boat, you're going to end up flying back and forth from New York or Miami because there isn't like a very centralized, it's very expensive actually to fly from island to island, which can be difficult for people who live in the Caribbean. But it was my version of a Caribbean safari. It was like my fifth, my fifth island. I went to five islands in four weeks or something. And I'd never been to more museum openings and like heritage centers. I was in Dominica for the opening of the Calanego Heritage Center. It was so spectacular and fascinating. Basically, the Calanego people, um, many of like the like of the um, people who like have roots in the Caribbean were killed off during when essentially Spain passed an edict in like the early 1500s. If you capture a Caribbean, they will they will bury your slave. So in Flatter Island, that in Flatter Islands, this entire race of people were just wiped out. But in Dominica for example, is so mountainous that these people, that this entire culture survived. And I was there for the opening day of the Heritage Center where, you know, we were, you know, there was a really rap, a really, I mean, I think about this speech sort of like people maybe think about any given Sunday, even though I don't have anything I can share, but like we have survived the hurricanes, we've survived the conquistadors, you know, it was just such a moment of pride and excitement. And I just like to be there for that because, you know, everyone knows about the Picasso Museum and everyone knows about Vienna. But I find there's just a dearth of a dearth, a dearth. I don't think that's a natural word for me to say at the moment of reporting on the cultural side of the Caribbean. And even as a journalist, I've noticed that like I don't often get assigned. I've had issues where I felt like I've been stuck writing, you know, the weather, the beach. (laughs) Like the person who covers England isn't doing this, you know. So it's definitely something that the, the industry is partially to blame, and also. If you look at these tourism bureaus, which are very important, I think some people really like to dismiss the travel industry in general, but tourism, when it's really used for good, really helps local people and empowers like empowers people to like tell their story, share their story, make money doing it, be involved in the tourism that's already happening and being profitable in these countries. And just like working with these tourism bureaus, a lot of these countries, they don't have the same infrastructure yet because a lot of these countries are relatively young, you know? Yeah. So so I also find that to be in a way also, I've read some lines somewhere where it was like, unlike other museums in the Caribbean, this one is kind of more political. It's like, what are you talking about? Like, who's going to the museum for like the, for the coffee there? Do you know what I mean? Like, please, if I'm going yeah. to, if I'm going to a museum, it'll be like when I was, where was I? Antigua, where they went to the, uh, no, it was St. Croix, the cruise and rum factory. That's the museum. Oh my I'm God. To. <laughs> exactly. And it's so fun. It's fun. Like the history is fun. Like in the Bahamas, I found that particularly. And indeed, the Caribbean is so diverse. Uh, I've been to the Bahamas on several occasions, staying on Freeport, I believe, twice. Uh, Stayed on Paradise Islands on numerous occasions. I stayed on the Exumas, beautiful, beautiful white sand. And and I stayed on uh, Eleuthera. But the Bahamas has so much more to offer, doesn't it? It does. And I think that there's a circuit in the same way that I feel like I went to 
college in a small town upstate, but I don't, I don't know much about the town because I went to the same three bars every week. I think (laughs) I did that in the Bahamas. Like I first went to the Bahamas was my first trip to the Caribbean ever. I was so excited because my family, even though my dad, it's been a huge mission of mine to get into Jamaica because he's like so knowledgeable about Jamaican history and culture and obsessed. Every part of him would thrive in Jamaica, but because my parents, like, I think that they're like restless travelers. They don't like yeah. the idea of like going to a beach, you know? And I'm yeah. like, there's so much more to it than the beach. But the first time I went, I stayed in a hotel with like 12 of my closest friends from high school. We just graduated high school. Like 12 of us girls, we went to like senior pros. We went to foam parties. I think I was drinking at that point, probably like vodka soda from the morning. It was, it was glorious. I won't lie. But I didn't feel that like I'd gotten, I, I liked it. The people, but I don't like staying in huge resorts. I find that people who also work there aren't that, it's not a great environment. I don't think for, for anyone. No. And, but I was like, this is crazy. This is interesting. And, but the second time I went back, oh my God, I've been four times now. And am I going to forget one of, oh my God, I literally was just brushing up on this. But the second time that I spent sort of like real time there was my friend, Will Beckham from, he's from the Miami area and his family grew up going out to Bimini and his younger brother, um, Woody had like a very traumatic, a tragic accident, just jumping off of a boat, his body oh. was paralyzed and they pretty much oh. all the doctors told him, you're never going to be able to move your body below your neck. But thanks to like these amazing, and I'm in PT for a much less difficult thing here, but I have a lot of respect for these people, but thanks to this amazing, to these amazing, like rehab doctors, he now has like much more control over his body. He's living his life. Long story short. They raise, they have a fundraiser every year called the Woody Foundation, where they raise money for um, rehabilitation for people who've suffered from like these sort of paralyzing accidents. And, and it was in Bimini. And that was a whole other, a whole other ballpark. Like I'd heard about Bimini partially too, because I love Hemingway and he's just such a snob. And he was like, Bimini is the best. But being there and like our, my boat captain, we're spearfishing for lionfish, ended up swimming with sharks. But we, I just became such good buddies with the, the boat captain. It was me, him, my friend Pete, that he just stayed with us pretty much the entire night. Like he came in, we all had dinner, we made conk. You know, we were having drinks. He was like, okay, my friends are here. All met up. And it was like really cool and really fun. And that was my first experience, like really feeling like I was being welcomed by the community there. And I was like, this is just like, this is the best. You know what I mean? Like every, I just find that it's, and then, then I became more fascinated. I remember when I first started travel writing, I was like, my dream would be to go to the Caribbean with a Caribbean tourism bureau that actually knows what's up and like be able to see it through that lens. And that happened actually quite quick with the U.S. Virgin Islands. And then, then I went with the Bahamas. Um, and that was in 2019. And that is like the trip I think that, you know, focus on maybe the most here. Um, and it was, the whole pitch was like a different side to Bimini. And, they sold it as a food story, which is a struggle for me because I don't like writing about food. And like, I don't like going on food trips because you just eat the whole time, which is really fun. At first. <laughs> but then you're just in the restaurant. If you don't finish, it's, it's just like, I get antsy, but I was like, okay, I'm going to focus on like the cultural. And I'm so happy I did because it was fascinating. And I walked away from that, just feeling almost like a like a born again, a born again, <laughs> Bahamian prophet. Like, Actually, Bimini is yeah. cool. Um, yeah. How did you get to Bimini? We took the uh, Bimini Express out of uh, uh, Miami and over to Bimini because it's like three hours on the Express on the boat uh, as opposed to taking a plane. But they're going to kill me for saying this, but 
this was 2012. It happened to have been, it was February 2012. It happened to have been a cold snap that hit the Southeast United States. It was 31 degrees when I landed in Miami at nine o'clock in the morning. Oh my God. And <laughs> we were freezing and the wind was blowing like crazy, but the boat to Bimini didn't leave until four o'clock in the afternoon. So we basically had the whole day to kill in Miami. We get on the boat and we get out to sea. We're about an hour, hour and a half out. And all of a sudden the boat's bouncing. I oh mean, my God. I mean, this is the boat that, that carries. Yeah. Boat yeah. That it carries about 300 people. Yeah. It was, it was like oh bouncing around and bouncing around. So we get to Bimini. We were several hours late because the wind kept blowing the boat off course. So then we're trying to back into the dock. And anybody who's ever been to Bimini, the waters around Bimini are shallow as all get out. Uh, mm-hmm. And there's a narrow channel. So the boat was trying to back into the, to the dock. He couldn't do it. From <laughs> 2 o'clock in the morning until 10 o'clock in the morning, no. we tried to back in. Matter of fact, all of us were sitting. We were in the um, cafeteria because there, there are cabins on, but we were just taking it for the ride over. So, oh the, so the cap, the cabins came, and um, so when sunup came, me and a couple other people walked up on the upper deck to see what the problem was, and we saw it right away. That channel is no wider than a car. Oh <laughs> that, so, guess what we did? We went all the way back to Miami. And no, yes, we did. Oh my god, that is a real bummer. That is <laughs> well, that is, is well, so close, the, so far. Oh, uh, we 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 got there the very next day. The temperature warmed up to the eighties. We went to the oh, Opalaka Airport and took a seaplane. We were there in 15 minutes. Yeah. I took a seaplane both times. But I was also with like a Bimini, like the Beckhams love Bimini. The Beckhams love Bimini. Sounds like very illiterate. But like, I honestly felt like being there with them. It's like they knew everyone on the island. This is like, because Bimini is the closest to Miami. Yeah. Even though that's not an easy, not an easy boat ride. But so some of the people were taking the boat and then some of us flew. I'm talking about this right now. I'm like, God, I've got to go to the next to the next like fundraiser. That was one of the coolest experiences of my life. Oh my God. But we swam with sharks there, which was, yeah. mm. well, it was, we were spirit and that was in Bimini. And that was like, you talking about the boat going up and down. I had probably had like a thousand Goombay smashes the night before. And we <laughs> were, we've been spear, <laughs> we've been spear fishing lion fish, spear hunting lion fish, which is like very, into, you know, you have a little, literal spear. Lionfish are the devil though. They're, they said they harass yeah. all the other fish. They're, they're ruining the ecosystem. So I didn't catch a single lionfish because as mentioned, became friends with my boat captain. And then we just ate Kong and drank the Goombay smashes. <laughs> but the next, it was like the, the, the denouement of the whole event. We took two boats out into the middle of the ocean. I like an idiot, like a, like a white girl who wishes I wasn't so white. was like, I'm going to go in the smaller boat because there's no protective covering. Like I'm going to get a tan. Like that's how serious I was. <laughs> and I was on the little baby boat, which we going out to see whatever it's fine. When we're going out there, but then suddenly we just stop and it's July, July in the, in the Bahamas. It's really hot. And the boat is just going up and down and up and down. I'm sitting there and I'm like, I'm, not not feeling great and then next thing you know this guy one of who she should work in shark pr dumped out probably like hundreds of lionfish carcasses onto the top of the water and before before i knew it i have great photos of this actually i'll I'll share with you probably like 30 or 40 in the in my pictures you can at least see like at the very top of the surface and this was the beginning they're already 15 um caribbean reef sharks started swarming between the two boats and these things are 
they're like seven feet long. Yeah. Sharks that, you know, have the double rows of teeth on the top and the bottom. (laughs) And when they're eating or when they're breathing, you know, I think they have like resting bitch face, but resting shark face. They always look like they're going to, they're going to attack you. I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh my God, like they're, cause they're wild sharks. They're right there. And the guy, you know, the, the organizer was like, okay, so now we've fed the shark, you know, they're full. And I'm like, okay. And he was like, so now, you know, it's safe to jump in. You could swim with them. Think of them as no more than puppies, you know, like they're not hungry anymore. I, you know, I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> in my head, I'm like, how do we know this one dude had his fill? <laughs> and then he was like, listen, the small boat's going to go in first. I remember looking at my friend Catherine and I was like, is this, is this for real? There are like six of us on this boat. And she's like, I'm either going to die in the water. I'm going to die here on this boat. Like I'd rather, I'd rather die in the water and I'm going to die on this thing. And I, I felt sort of similarly nauseous and I was like, I'm just going to get it over with. And his last word of wisdom was like, the number one important thing you need to remember is that animals, you know, they're smart and they, they can sense things. So if you behave like prey, they're going to wonder, oh, is this prey? He was like, so whatever you do, you know, just don't act like you're prey. Don't act like you're some sort of like thing. I'm sitting there. I'm like, I am myself weak. Like I'm about to throw up. Like I'm weak to another human being. Like this shark is going to know whatever I jump in. I have like a, my flippers and just my mask and just a little, like a breathing tube for the snorkel. And the second I look in the water, they're like sharks sort of doing their thing in the distance. Like Bahamas is called, came from the Spanish term Bahamar, which means clear water. And like, let me tell you, it was like, I could see sharks, but nobody was really bothering me. And I was like, I'm just going to keep going straight. I like how a shark doesn't look ahead of them. I guess I'm a shark because I've been going straight for a second. Then I look up and there is this shark that is swimming directly at me. And this shark is coming from the other side of the other boat, but he's not moving his, like, he's not changing direction and he's just propelling himself. And I'm looking at him and I'm like, why is he, why? Okay. Why is it shark for me? Number one, number two, why is it at the surface of the water? And like, I have to be up here to breathe. Like, like I was like, is this, is this shark going to eat me? And then part of me was like, half of my body was like, you need to turn, you need to move direction. Like you can save So in my head. I'm like, you won't look weak by changing direction. Like blah, blah, blah. In my head. But then I was also like, yes, you will. Cause you were going this way. And he was coming this way. Like you have no choice but to like keep the path, which was insane. I was playing chicken with a shark. I get closer. <laughs> we get to the point where we're probably like, it's not, we're underwater. I was, I spotted him at 30 feet and we're approaching. Get close in 10 feet. All I see are these two rows of teeth and it is coming straight at my face. And I was like, this is too late. But in my head, I was like, I was like, just, just be cool. Just be cool. I'm, insane it was an it was an insane decision i think in retrospect and at the last minute this shark ducks under and its dorsal fin i was in like a bikini grazed the length of my torso like the shark and i had a moment and like it, it was in, it was insane my friends on the big boat were like you were antagonizing that poor shark like you were playing chicken with the shark but it was it was like the closest i don't know that i would love diving with great whites you know i don't want i don't need to be the shark and every situation. But here I thought it was almost like, I was like, confidence is everything. You know what I mean? Like, it was so cool. If there's any place in the world, for those people who are listening, who don't know, the sharks are protected species in the Bahamas. Mm -hmm. You're not allowed to go out there and do shark fishing and killing and all that stuff. Then no, 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 you'll get arrested for that there. So there's plenty of sharks around them. Anybody knows about the shark environment, it's probably the Bahamians. 
Yes. And that's why I think a lot of them don't like to swim as much. My captain, but I also felt he was telling me, you know, growing up, my grandmothers would always say the ocean has no back door. So you can essentially, I can come down here like a tourist who's, who's on the ocean, like, you know, for two days and I go back to land. But if you're like living there, he's like, I take more precaution. Like I've seen more things. So, yeah. I had a sort of, um, I had a sort of similar experience in the Bahamas with sharks. I don't know what got into my head to go in that water. But the the captain of the boat dropped a bucket in the water. Well, well, he didn't really drop it. He had it on a rope. So he put a bucket in the water with dead fish. So that distracted the shark. So by the time I got in the water and I put my head under, I could see all the sharks circling this bucket of dead fish. So we went in and we, we did our thing. Then he, then he said, okay, you can come up now. You can get back in the boat now. The moment, the moment we got back in the boat, the sharks are right on top of the water again. I said, oh my God. I don't know. I, I don't know what got into my head. You know what I think it was? I was the last person to get in the water. All the females were in the water just laughing at me. So, <laughs> so I wanted to be macho and get in the water too. But yeah, I kept yourself. Yeah. But before I got in, I said, listen, raise your feet. Let me see if you still have two legs. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> macho get your ass killed. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly. <laughs> and women I have to wait. Caribbean sharks, though, and this is just my take here. Great whites, I think, are misunderstood a little bit. I know the guy who wrote the book for Jaws ends up dedicating a lot of his like life spendings in Princeton to try to like protect the great white because they almost went extinct after that. Although it's such a great movie, Caribbean sharks, and this is my own decision in my mind. So maybe this isn't true, but I'm like a reef shark doesn't really, you know, a reef shark, a tiger shark. I feel like those are. I feel like the Caribbean Sea is filled with not as many things that could kill me as the Atlantic Ocean. I feel like the Atlantic Ocean. Is um, ground zero for a shark attack. Oh yeah, especially in the, especially in the Northeast. Yeah, I am so afraid of sharks. One year I went to Disney, and there's Universal Studios around the whole Disney area. I went on the set of Jaws, and I was scared. I mean, <laughs> you, you, you went to the back lot at Universal Studios. I went through the same thing with my son. I know exactly what that is. <laughs> you know, it's funny. My friend Marissa Prince she's another travel writer. I should connect you with her. She has she has some amazing shark. Like she has done everything she possibly like she's swam with sharks all over the world, essentially. And she's really dedicated to ocean conservation. But she really opened my eyes. Like we were in Maui. I, I love Maui and the Maui Aquarium, which I normally, they're like, oh, well, we just, we just take the shark for a year and then we return it to the ocean. Like it's not, it's fine. And then Marissa's like, do you follow the shark when it goes back in the ocean? Like, does it, is it able to meet up with its family again? Like sharks are so intelligent yeah. and they are so interesting. Like now I, yeah, no, I'm like sharks are misunderstood, but maybe it's because I played, maybe it's because I felt like I had a genuine moment with that shark. Like we were in the big, we were in the, the Caribbean ocean. He could have gone elsewhere. You know, we had we had a brush. We had a connection. Mm-hmm. You had a, you, yeah, you had a, you had a connection. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I've had I've had my one running with a shark was actually in Florida, and I was learning how to scuba dive, and I probably oh my, my God. third or fourth lesson, and and the instructor kept saying, "Do not allow a shark to get between you and the shore." Well, stupid me went out a little too far, and guess what? A shark got between me and the shore. And uh, 
we we had just got done talking about bull sharks before I got in the water. And I'm not stupid. They're probably the second most dangerous shark after a great white. <laughs> and so I'm sitting there looking. I said, is that a bull? I don't know the difference. Or I didn't then. I do now. And I just, I got motionless. I basically just allowed myself to float under the water. The shark came up and he didn't bump me with his tail, but he kind of like slapped at me a little bit and swam off. You ain't never seen a black man go to the beach so fast as me. I was oh. <laughs> I, I matter of fact, I was moving so fast that I almost ran out of the air in my regulator to get me up onto the dock. Oh my, it slapped. You got slapped. Yeah, it, it, just a tail. I think it was going to circle back around until I started moving. Oh. Because I was, I was motionless. I just sat there like this. I, I did not move. Yeah. And my instructor saw it too because I was looking over at him and he just told me, to. I, I saw him do this, which was his motion to tell me to stop. Uh, stop moving. And I, and I, but you know, if you get cut or bruised and you bleed. Oh, yeah. mm, oh my God. Yeah. That's I, when you have a problem. Yes. I was in, um, I was in New Zealand, excuse me. Wow. Australia with my family. It was like right after high school and we were snorkeling at the Great Barrier Reef. Talk about that boat ride that will make you sick. I think I was mm -hmm. the first to grab on this thing, but we're snorkeling. It's amazing, but it's also there are really shallow areas and before you got in the water, because there are a ton of sharks around Australia, um, basically, the number one thing they said is that if you're bleeding for any reason, you need to get out of the water immediately because that attracts sharks. And that is essentially mm -hmm. like, so I'm snorkeling, I'm doing my own thing. And then suddenly I hear like the emergency horns going off on the boat. Mm -hmm. And I'm like looking up and... They're like, get back, Katie, get back. And then I looked at, and I'm like in a pool of blood because I, I just like scratched my, my leg on the coral. And my mom apparently thought I died. She was like mm. crying. I'm like, I'm like, I was still sort of float. You could have done something, you know, I was, was like, it was terrifying. But yeah, that's, sharks are terrifying. Yeah. yeah, there's a reason why we called our our segment "Adventures with Catherine Parker Maggie" because you got them, um, <laughs> a lot of them. But I, I'm gonna uh, make a little bit of a, a. We we had started talking about Bimini, and for for you history nuts out there, Bimini is Ernest Hemingway. There's uh, because there, he lived there. I believe he lived wrote a couple books there as well. Uh, yeah. While there, and there's a little gift shop, and I forgot the name of it where you walk in, it's off of a street, and you walk in, and all these Hemingway quotes are plastered on the wall and paint stuff. I forgot the name of the shop. Um, We're going to have to include it in the notes, for yeah, sure. Yeah, I'll find it. I, I've got pictures of it uh, somewhere around here. And then the other thing, too, for you history nuts out there, is that I have a dream speech that Dr. King wrote. It was actually written in Bimini. Really? Yep. Wow. There, there is a That's bust of Dr. King wow. on the... Bimini's two islands. There's a North and a South Island. And I believe the South Island is where Dr. King spent about two months writing that speech in Bimini. Oh, my God. I never knew that. Yeah, there's a bust of him, which I have a picture of somewhere around here, too, uh, marking the spot where he stayed and, and did that. And then this will for you New Yorkers who know who Adam Clayton Powell is. He actually owned a house there. It's one thing that I was struck by. Recently, I mean, we can talk a little about about Romeo Farrington, who I think is a living legend in Nassau, but tell me about the people he's met and just like the various people who are very involved and like woven into the fabric of Bahamas society and community. And so many like top of their game, but like black Americans really like made, have really, I think have made Bahamas sort of like a bit of a spiritual home. Like Sydney Poitier was like living there for, for decades too. And then I don't know, 
Romeo's met everyone. I mean, Michael Jordan, we met Colin Powell. I don't know. I was just interesting to me to hear. He was like, well, he was just trying to like explain to me a little bit that a lot of people do feel like they come to the Bahamas immediately and they feel sort of connection and kinship there. And yeah, it doesn't surprise me. You know who's been living there for a very long time? Lenny Kravitz. Really? See, that's, I feel like you wouldn't, because I associate some people with some places and with the Bahamas, I feel like I didn't realize that it was such a hub for all of these people. And it makes yeah. sense. But like such a hub, like my taxi driver has met everyone and knows everyone, which I think is great. Yeah, there's, I think, I don't know if this is still the case, but when they gave me a hard hat tour of Bahamar before it opened, Lenny Kravitz has a nightclub there, I believe, or something. There's something there named after him. Yeah, I need to, I love, I do love Lenny Kravitz. Yeah, there, there is definitely something named after him. So um, your overall impression of Bimini before we dive off to, pardon the pun, dive off to some of the other kids who yeah. are on Bahamian Islands. What was your overall impression? I, I had a good time. I enjoyed the relaxation. Uh, I'm not a gambler, so I didn't get to gamble in the casino too much, but it was just relaxing. To me. For me, it felt very much like, uh, like trying to think of a really rural like why it's like going, it's like going Nassau would be New York city and being in Bimini would be like being on, um, trying to give a really good example here. That's in the U S cause that's kind of hard. like being in, I would almost was going to say a tropical version of like a, of a, of a, like a beautiful Island in Georgia or something where like, it's like just mm-hmm. a totally different way of life is what I found. And what I love the most about it was that where we were staying, obviously was, there was a dock. And then there were the, the villas around the dock. And then there were two bars that we went to. But then you go out on the water and it's just like, there are all these untouched islands. And what I really liked is that, I mean, I was with people who grew up going up around there. And then I made friends with people that I met there who would take me around a little bit. But yeah, my advice is that travelers, like always befriend the stranger and follow them to the third and fourth location. But right. sort of how I live my life there. But these beach bars that are just like, I haven't experienced this really since. You know, just it looks like an operating bar. You go up, oh, have a drink. You know what I mean? And just this sort of like way of life that I think is really cool. And like, I can see why it was so inspiring to like Martin Luther King and Ernest Hemingway. <laughs> I, yeah. I really could. I mean, I found the I found the little beach bar on a dock that's no bigger than my office. It was the coolest place that I had ever been to in the Caribbean bar. None. I wish I could remember the name of this place. It only had like five chairs. Oh, my God. And yeah, they like- served fresh seafood. Lots of beer. I mean, I, w- I was quote unquote shit faced before I walked out of that place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been the drunkest I ever was, definitely on Bimini. <laughs> so I can bring that. But it's funny, like when I was in Nassau, too, talking, a lot of people who live in Nassau, so like some of them come and they call them the family islands. Like, oh, I'm originally from Luther. I'm from and the out islands. The out islands. Yeah. And they call them family islands. And yeah, yeah there is this sense of like, that's almost like that's your hometown. Mm-hmm. And, here, and now you're in the big city. And then, I don't know, I also feel like when I was watching, honestly, the, the guy who invented Fire Festival was in my brother's group of friends, went to high school with my brother. They nice. were on the same tax chain. He's Billy McFarlane. When I was watching the documentary and I was so angry because, you know, he's going into this like rural, rural, this island. Rural isn't, I don't like the term rural because it makes me think of like, honestly, like out Wisconsin, but like more of, yeah, like not a super built up place, like a community. 
and just wrecking these people's lives, overworking them, overpromising. You know, and a lot of the tourism that really comes through in NASA, it filters out in different areas in the Bahamas, but a lot of these places are a little bit are more untouched. And I felt even watching that, I was like, okay, I, I get it. I get why there's like, I, you know, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I, mean I, saying, I, I mean, most of the tourists who go to the Bahamas, they think of Nassau. They think Paradise of Paradise Island. Island. Mm-hmm. And they don't think much about the rest of the, the island. I mean, you know, from Miami's airport to Nassau, it's a 39-minute flight. You're, you're, you're there so fast that, you know, you don't even know you were on an airplane. But, but that's yeah. where people stop. And I love Nassau. Don't get me wrong. My passport probably had more stamps, stamps on it landing at that airport in, in, in Nassau. But there's other things to do. Hey, Dave, you've been to some of the outer islands, in particular uh, Eleuthera. Um, give us your overall impression of Eleuthera. Uh, I, I've never been, so um, I'm going to be interested <laughs> to hear your take on this. Well, I'll tell you, one, one of the things that amazed me, really amazed me about Eleuthera, the high cliffs and so on there, man. And um, there's a part of Eleuthera called, they call it the glass window. It's like a bridge. It's actually a bridge. And I, I, it, it was really amazing to see where the Atlantic meets the Caribbean Sea. <laughs> you, you literally had two bodies of water clashing there. And sometimes when the tide gets really high, they have to close that bridge because it literally, it literally spills over. Wow. And that's something that most people don't think about, too. And I never thought about this. When you think about the Bahamas and the 700 plus islands that make up the the, the country, you don't think about cliffs. <laughs> that is true. We don't we don't think about cliffs. But I'll tell you, um, in my travels through the Caribbean, most Caribbean countries are hilly or mountainous, with the exception of. I don't want to say Bermuda. We, we, <laughs> we tend to think that Bermuda is in the Caribbean because of the beautiful beaches and, and crystal white sand and so on. But it's, it's only, I think it's about an hour's plane ride off of North Carolina. Mm-hmm. But, but, but in saying that, most of the countries are mountainous or hilly with the exception of Barbados and just a couple others, but most of them are like that. Yeah, I, I think a lot of people, you know, some of them were formed by volcanoes. Some of them were just the tectonic plates moving because of the humongous Grand Cayman Trench that separates the North Atlantic plate from the Caribbean plate. So, yeah, there's a lot of that updraft that's pushing those mountains. But, you know, it's like when you think of the Bahamas, you think of flat land. You don't think of it's like when I was on Bimini, like when we discussed Bimini earlier, Bimini's flat. Yeah, <laughs> if, it, if it rains a half inch, it's, it, as our dear friend General Honore says, it's going to flood. Um, yes. <laughs> <you know? laughs> but the other the other thing too that you brought up was Eleuthera is the eastern is east of Nassau. It's kind of like like you said, right where the Atlantic and the Caribbean kind of meet. So I can see, you know, just based on my knowledge of of, of geography, I can see where the clash of the two seas would work. What I found was really amazing too. You know, they took us, they took us to this restaurant. I was part of a media group and talking to some of the locals there, they were telling me how popular and famous, um, Elutra used to be. And for some reason, through the years, Elutra pretty much faded into obscurity. Um, but for some reason, that's changing now again. I'm not sure the fact that, um, 
Lenny Kravitz lives there and it's getting a lot of popularity, a lot of notoriety. But that's changing a lot. So now there are a number of hotels, I mean, chain hotels. Um, I know that Starwoods Resorts, I think they've got a new hotel there. So a lot is changing. So I guess at some point, it'll, I don't want to say it's going to rival Nassau at this point. Uh, it's not going to rival Nassau, but it's, it's going to be one of those destinations that not, not just the rich and famous go. But we the average Joe will go and certainly have to have some fun. That's pretty cool. Now, how did you get to Eleuthera? Uh, did you have to go through Nassau to get there? Did you take a boat across? Because I, I talked to some people who, because they live in the Bahamas, a lot of times they just enjoy the ride and take a boat over. But uh, I don't know the distance between the two. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> it is not very far, but it was pretty scary for me. I hate flying. I've got this anxiety about flying. <laughs> so. We took a small aircraft, I think it sits about 12, and it took off from Nassau. And in about, I'll say about 20 minutes, we were there. And the pilot was flying so low, <laughs> it's almost like I could put my hands up through the window if that was possible <laughs> and just touch the water. Was that the famous Bahamas Air? No, I, no. I, it was a local aircraft. Oh, okay. Okay. This aircraft was so was so small. I mean, you talk about your size fifteens and you and you being six four. I don't think you and Shaq would probably be comfortable on this aircraft. <laughs> <laughs> but it was fun. It was fun. I enjoyed it. Uh, okay, it, it actually reminds me of the seaplane I took to Bimini from Miami. They they intentionally gave me the middle seat in the back because it has a long bench seat like a bus, so I can stretch uh -huh. my legs under the aisle. Uh -huh, uh -huh, uh -huh. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Now, well, now we have one outer island for Catherine to visit when she goes uh, diving with sharks. Um, let's talk about the other place that actually intrigues me because there's something special that goes on in the Exumas, uh, which is south of uh, NASA. Tell us a little bit about your experience in the Exumas. I was there on a conference. The conference was in, um, it was in Freeport. And, you know, they generally give us a couple of days after the conference to explore the islands. This way we can write and, and, and we can report on those islands as well. So I went to the Exumas and I'll tell you, man, it was like paradise. When you, you go on the beach and it's crystal clear water. There's a, there's a pink sand in some cases and white sand. If you're thinking about paradise, it almost felt like paradise. Wow. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. And they have a lot to do there. Um, like I just said, it's known for the clearest waters in the world, but they have something pretty exciting there. I'm not sure where. I mean, it's harmless, but you, but you can go swimming with the pigs. The pigs literally are in the water with you and you're swimming and uh, you can have a lot of fun. I mean, they also have a lot of water sports there as well. Um, snorkeling is incredible. The water in the Exuma is so clear that you can literally put on, you can literally put on goggles and snorkel anywhere you want. Wow. And the beauty of snorkeling, you know, between the fish and the sea slugs and the turtles, the starfish, and yes, Michael, and the sharks, we talked about the sharks <laughs> earlier. <laughs> yeah, me, me and sharks are not friends, I'm sorry. <laughs> You you will be snorkeling. You you would have a snorkeling adventure that wouldn't have a dull moment at all. It's really an exciting island. And um, apart from the snorkeling, 
Um, I'm not sure if Catherine talked about the sandbar, but you can literally spend a day at the sandbar. The sandbar has got its name because it's one mile long and it, it goes by a couple of names. Uh, as you know, some, some of these smaller islands, they don't call them islands. They, they call them K's. Yeah. Uh, some folks, I guess in Florida, we say keys, but yeah, it's you, the same. It's yeah, the same think, thing. Yeah. It's spelled C-A-Y in the Caribbean, but it's pronounced keys. Yeah. Something I found very exciting as well is hanging out, <laughs> hanging out with the iguanas. <laughs> I can't stand the small lizards and iguanas are huge lizards. I, they're a member of the lizard family. And uh, I, I don't know if you've had any of those experiences. Oh, I've had a whole bunch of those experiences. As a matter of fact, you can't go to the Caribbean without seeing an iguana. Um, I mean, but you know, the thing about it is those iguanas are more afraid of you than you are of it. <laughs> no, but it's scared. No, but it scares the shit out of me. I'll tell you why. Cause by the time I have a couple of adult beverages and I'm looking at, a, at an iguana, I'm thinking I'm seeing Godzilla in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, when I was in Mexico, I think we were in Puerto Vallarta. Uh, we had a guide that was guiding us around and he took us to this place where uh they had a like a farm for just iguanas and stuff like that and what i from what i understand they're very their nervous system they're very nervous and tourists go in there and mess with them and they die easily mm. uh so it, it it taught me a new appreciation for those little ugly sea creatures who look like uh dinosaurs i mean i'm i, I wonder you know, it's like alligators. You know, they've been around since the dawn of man almost. And I bet you iguanas have got that same lifespan. <laughs> I don't listen. You know me. I love my adult beverages. I don't want to see anything that by the time I have a drink, it looks like Godzilla to me. No. Scares, <laughs> scares the shit out of me. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, let me ask you this question. How, how, now. All these the, the, the other islands that we're discussing, the Exumas, where we are now, Eleuthera earlier, and there's some of the other ones like the Abacos and stuff like that. There are not major commercial airlines that go directly to them. Now, how did you get to the Exumas? Um, small aircraft, small, small another, local. Another 12 seater? Another 12, 12 seater, man. Okay. But it was beautiful. I mean, I, it, the, the funny thing about that, I have this fear. I have this fear. I, I don't take uh <laughs> I don't take that aircraft shaking up there too much. <laughs> <laughs> Just to polish off the Exumas real quick, are, is there any um uh, are there high end resorts on the, the Exumas? Um, and for those of you who don't know, there are I think the Exumas are part of three chains of islands that yes. are just collectively called the Exumas. Um, uh, I, I know there's some pretty high end resorts in some of these places. There are. Uh, uh, the name escapes me now because my trip on, on, on the Azumas, even though I did a whole lot there, my trip on the Azumas was a day trip. Okay. So we just went early in the morning and we, you know, they took us out to dinner. They took us out to, to see what the Azumas has to offer. You know, not a, you know, it's not like Nassau for argument's sake or going to Jamaica or some of the other islands. But uh, there's still a whole lot to do. So we did all of that in the day. By the time I got back to the Atlantis Hotel in, um, on Paradise Island, I was drained, man. Oh, wow. Literally wow. drained. Wow. 
but it was fun. It was fun. I really, really enjoyed it. And a lot of folks don't realize that the Bahamas is like 700 islands and keys. And each, each island is unique in its own way. That is really, really amazing. Really amazing. And of those 700 islands, about 690 of them are uninhabited. Um, yeah. Which is great because I know my friend Tony, he uh, used to go to the Caribbean a lot with it. He has, he's a boat owner. And, he, you know, he's got lots of pictures of he and his family just enjoying going to some of those outer uninhabited islands and just snorkeling, diving, doing whatever they have to do and not a care in the world. There's still a few major islands, uh, Abaco, uh, Andros Islands, Cat Island, Crook Island, Eleuther, we mentioned at Zuma, Grand Bahama, Inagua, Long Island. New Providence, uh, there are quite a few islands that are that that offer a whole lot. So the Bahamas is the way to go. I love right. it. All right. I guess you're going to have to open your wallet and buy yourself an island. <laughs> some of those islands, not just the Bahamas, but through the Caribbean. There's some islands that go for just over a million dollars. I mean, that's 0.001 percentage of what you're worth. So, I mean, not a problem. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, yeah. Okay. You say so. Anyway, um, <laughs> let, let's get our dear friend Catherine back in here um, to talk about uh, some of her other Bahamian travel experiences. Yeah. And what I liked about that, I was like, when did I go four times, by the way? I had one trip to the Bahamas that was just basically, I went on a bachelorette party in, in NASA on the Atlantis, where I just essentially was like, that was my third time. Fourth time there, or third. It was my fourth time there, and I visited, and I felt like I knew the area, and I was just so disappointed in sort of like what we were doing and the slice of life we were seeing. And it was just a wake up call to me that some people just vacation in like shopping malls. Like the Atlantis is a huge <laughs> shopping mall, Sh- shopping you know? mall, and casino. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I live in Vegas. Yeah. I can do that here. Yeah, and just like the way that people treat the staff at. I feel bad because I mean, I don't want people who are, love the Atlantis or work to hear this, but I just found it to be a little, and I was there as a guest. I wasn't there on a work capacity. I found it to be like just depressing. Like I thought that people weren't very respectful. People working there. I thought the people working there were like exhausted by the sheer quantity of people who were walking in. Like it was their own personal shopping mall. And what was cool about the, about Bimini was it was my first trip to the Bahamas, my second trip, but my first trip where I was like, I felt like embraced, I felt like I had the chance to embrace the community and embraced by the community. And I don't think it's coincidental that that first happened in Bimini, where there are, there are less tourists. You know what I mean? You have the, you sort of have the opportunity to, I guess, to dive deeper is what I'd say. You yeah. know, like, I think that when you're in, you know, the, the all-inclusive lifestyle isn't really a thing, which I think I hate. I was, I was, I met with like the tourism director of Martinique today and he was telling me how like only like 20% of the accommodations on Martinique are like owned by hotels. Like everything is boutique, villa, everything. I hate like large, I think large hotels can be really depressing, particularly like, yeah. So I, you know, what's funny is I really like to sail though. And I was talking to a bunch because there are a lot of people you'll find who live in the Caribbean or live in the Bahamas. And it's like, well, why did you pick exactly the Bahamas? And it's always like, well, I love to sail and you just go. Like it's like amazing journeys from island to island. I feel like the history of the Bahamas is so. And it made like the pirate, like the history of the rum runners and all this. And that's, you realize that's all been facilitated because it's like in this insane constellation of little dots, you know, in the middle of the sea. 
700 islands. 700. Yeah. It's, yeah. I definitely want to explore, to explore more of the out islands. Definitely. And I think if they're easy, I think that the thing is, is people don't like a connecting flight and you find that with a lot of situations. Do you know what I mean? I feel like sometimes even in Hawaii, I'm going to, where are you going in Hawaii? Do you know what I mean? It's like, oh, but isn't that another that like you're already in the air, you know, but yeah, I think it'll be interesting too, to see. And I'm happy you're talking about the Bahamas today because now that, you know, international travel, the summer is closed or it's touch and go in most places in the world, but the Caribbean is open to American travelers and tr- Google search results for like the Caribbean have been spiking. And yeah, I mean, I really hope that it's sort of a, a moment for, I mean, a lot of these places are super reliant on tourism. So a moment of rebuilding, but also, yeah, I hope people are like, okay, maybe because you're visiting a different time of year in a different context, you sort of break out a little bit, yeah. see what there is. Yeah. Totally. Um, so I, I know like when I was in the, the Bahamas, uh, the last time I was there, one of the things I really appreciated that they did for me was they took me to a local house to eat dinner. That was the best experience because you're talking to the locals. We're not at a resort. They 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 made the fish, and you know how the Bahamians make their fish, the heads on and everything like that. And you got to do your own deboning and all the other stuff that goes with it. That's a true cultural experience as opposed to me sitting in whatever hotel I was at on Cable Beach because this is pre Bahamar, um, and uh, you know sitting there, you know, get, getting somebody to give you an expensive rum drink that costs twenty five dollars. And the food is so good and endless. And, you know, I have to say I did. So people to people experience exists in other areas as well, but it's thriving in the Bahamas and not like in no small part, thanks to like the government. Oh my God, the pink house, the government, I believe it's just called the government house, the government house, the government house. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Which is like beautiful. Like they have like a tea party the last Friday of every month in between like the like high season and everyone is welcome. And they, they work with the people of people experience. They, they run this and basically Bahamian people will volunteer. Like I would love, like I'm volunteering to have these people over. Do you know what I mean? So <laughs> I love number one and I would probably do as well. And then you're just set up with just like, you know, a family. When we, when I went, um, I mean, I had such a blast and I'm still in touch with like Roxanne Shipman and her like, and Jillian and these people that I met helpful because sometimes I'll be like, what's the weather like going on down there right now? Like what's, is this, is this hotel still happening? Like she's my eyes on the ground, but it was just like so cool. And it sort of was kicked, it kicked off like a whole different type of weekend that I really like, I've done stories about like, you should experience this type of the Bahamas. Like, and sometimes when I tell stories of experiences I've had when I'm traveling, people will be like, okay, well, you know, you made friends with this one person or you met this person through this person. Like, how can you recreate that experience? And unfortunately, like, unless you are a little extroverted and a little willing to take a chance on things, like it can be hard to feel like you're immersed, like you're getting a special or unique experience, whatever. In the Bahamas, it's literally available to people. I don't think they realize this as much. Like the people that people experience the first night, and then we did this true Bahamian food tour with Will Gaddett. Oh my God. And I've already talked about how I don't love food tours. I was riveted all over Nassau. The food, I, I mean, I'm obsessed with like Bahamian food, but it was just so fascinating because it added a whole other dimension. Like obviously I knew with the history of rum and how rum became so popular and the, how it sort of evolved in the islands. But then 
you know, just listening to Will talk about, okay, well, this is how I like people are able to identify where their families originally came from in um, like in parts of West Africa is by the ingredients of the food. So like, you know, rice and peas isn't just rice and peas. You know what I mean? Like right. the way that you, the way that you serve the mac and cheese is, and it was just such like a fascinating history lesson too, that I feel is also over. I mean, I just not over like, I'm fascinated by like the history and heritage of people who are, you know, who are maintaining a semblance of connection too to their African heritage, but also celebrating their Caribbean and how it sort of blends together. And I don't know, just learning about that, about that entire experience was just like, I was like, this is fun. I will continue to, <laughs> to drink rum. <laughs> oh, you, you just need an excuse to drink rum, which means you got to take oh. Dave with you. <laughs> yeah, I, I've, done food, I've done foodie experiences so many places. And I was like, if you're a real foodie, like go to the Bahamas because the level of, the level of detail that's paid to every ingredient. And for me, I care about more about people than spices. So like if someone's like this was harvested, blah, blah, I don't care as much. But if someone is like, well, this is like something that was like, you know, famous in Senegal around this time. So people, you know, and some people were able to re- to connect with like, they were able to trace their back. I was like, this is fascinating. I actually haven't done a story just on these food tours and I have wanted to, and then the lockdown sort of happened, but this just sparked it to me again. Like I was in touch with, um, I was tagged actually in a picture I'll send you with like Will and Romeo. And it was like, I got to tell this story just because I feel like it's so underrated. Like no one would be like, Oh, go to Bahamas for the food scene. But I'm telling you, I was, I was riveted. I was riveted. <laughs> I'm obsessed. I'm still, it was just, it was just another, it was just, it was just interesting to see like a more comprehensive thing of how it all comes together. And like the reason I'm fascinated also by like cultural influences, like, I feel like the Caribbean is almost like a floating continent. Like these countries are sort of related, but there are so many unique differences. And a lot of those differences, you know, come from hundreds of years ago, you know, and seeing, yeah. And just like, I don't know. I was, I was fascinated. And I also feel like there's such, sometimes people don't want to engage with the history in the Caribbean because it's a very, very difficult and very hard history. And particularly if you're traveling as a, as a white person, I sometimes think that, white people can shy away from asking questions or being curious or being involved because they don't want to say the wrong thing, which what's the wrong, do you know what I mean? Like what's the, yeah. I mean, I and they're not going to offend anybody in the Caribbean. No. They're, they're, they're actually quite happy to share that history with you. Even the painful bars, because there's lessons in there that you need to learn. Yes, they're not afraid less- of it. No. And also there's pride too. And like what has been overcome as well. Do you know what I mean? Like if right. you're talking to someone and that's at least something that I certainly, you know, that, that is always fascinating to me because I feel like I wasn't taught this history in school. Like I didn't know about, I'm talking larger Caribbean. I didn't know about the Calanago people at all. I didn't know about the Garifuna people who were, who came from Africa to the Caribbean and then were able to flee the Caribbean before the slave trip that they heard the slavers were coming. But like the peaceful revolt in Jamaica, where it's like they had heard that British Parliament was discussing abolishing slavery, and then they thought that slavery was actually abolished. On Christmas Day, everyone just sat down. You know, and the, I, I I find the history, and I don't know. I've had some. I've had long conversations with people too about. You know, I love to get deep with stuff like that, but I also think that this ethos that's so prevalent around the Caribbean can be dismissed. Like, don't worry, be happy, or like positive is the way I live. Like, that's wisdom. That's hard. That's harder in wisdom, and it all bleeds together. And I think it's. Just, I think it's fascinating. I think that's why I love going to the museums. I love, I also like to hear the history from 
the different perspective than a different perspective than what's in the history books or I don't know. I miss the Caribbean. I miss that energy. You know, like it's it's sort of you can't replicate it fully anywhere, anywhere else. Like it never feels like work to be there. And David, I know you're like your family, like you're from that Barbados. Yes, you understand. You you are part of that. It's just like for me, I'm just like, I'm so like I land and I I'm like, it's obviously like, but I've been in beautiful places and been anxious or but in the I feel like it's the people are so great. Or I've just been very lucky too. Yeah. Yeah. If you go to the Caribbean and you're anxious and you're not relaxed, you're in the wrong place. Oh yeah. Uh, I'm like, yeah. Uh, people, that, 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 that's stupid to go like if you're a New Yorker or uh, somebody from LA and you go to do to the to, to the Caribbean and you turn around and think okay that their same pace is what you're used to no 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 you no. went there for a reason exactly and also just engaging with people I find sometimes I think I've traveled I've had such a mixture of Caribbean travel where I've gone like on trips I planned like my first Jamaica trip was like really big I really had been dying to go or I'll go on trips with like a larger group and it's funny. Sometimes people like we were in Jamaica and our driver was like a hundred percent, maybe, maybe doing a weed deal, but should be legal. And she got like, so sort of, she was like, it's like, okay, like, that's fine. Do you know what I mean? And then he had some really negative, toxic energy in the back and I was in the front and I felt like I just use it. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like sometimes people, I don't know. I think that, and this happens not just in Caribbean, but everywhere. I think sometimes when people travel, they sort of have the opposite, I feel like, reaction that they should have, which is like opening up to other people and more they're just like on edge, you know? Yeah. Well, so, I, I've, done some, I've done some pretty cool things in Ness. I learned how to make a cigar. Oh my God, yes, you too. At, at Great Cliff. Yeah, I went there. Did you go down into the basement of Great Cliff where they got all those old oh, bottles, man. bottles of wine? They've got some wine down there. I think there was one. That's amazing. I could be quoting it wrong, but I thought they said that bottle was worth a million dollars. Yeah. Oh yeah, you're God. right. You're right. You're right. They had, and did you, so they have that, there's no name. There's no formal name to like the wine tasting spot across the street where it's like, it's, this is my favorite place, I think in the Bahamas, but there are basically all these picnic tables that are like brightly different, bright primary colors. And then on the, on like the walls of like the outdoor building, it's like Bahamian slag. So, mm -hmm. That sentences like your your child your children ain't got no bra up and see, which means like your kids are a brat or brat <laughs> or like fix your face and like just like and just yeah and I thought the wine was good. I liked it. I mean, I also just like wine as well, but I also really enjoyed the cigars. I feel like Rycliffe is like a hidden gem because it's so elegant Certainly. and it, it just has everything there. And. The, should you go to John Watling? I would recommend people go to John Watling Distillery too. I mean, that was because the state was like in 1738 or something. And like, yeah, there are a lot of grand, beautiful, there's amazing architecture in the Bahamas that I hadn't like fully appreciated until I spent more time like the government house. Like I wish our house was pink, our white house was pink. <laughs> then, like, like there's just like, thing. Yeah. And it wouldn't be the White House any longer. It'd be the Pink House. I want to say Frankie's gone. Frankie gone bananas. I really love in Nassau. Like to go on like the fish fry on Friday night, like live music, Bay smashes. I mean, I feel like I just eat different variations of conch at every meal though. Like I like cracked conch. 
fried conch, I like conch salad, I like the soup. But yeah. There's a little hangout on the other side of that bridge that takes you over to um, Paradise Island. You can get some really good local food there. I don't know if you've been there, but it's cool. Really cool. I have. I know exactly where it is. As you're going across the bridge coming from main island of Nassau, it's on the left. Yeah, it's yep. on the left. I, I, yeah. <laughs> I need to go. I'm, I have FOMO already. I'm ready to go back. Talking about it right now, I'm like, ah. Yeah. I was on my agenda. Dave and I are contemplating our first live podcast now that COVID's kind of loosened up. Maybe we need to, since Nassau and the Bahamas are so close, Dave, maybe that, that could be the destination of choice. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. Oh my God, then you need to go to Barbados. Yeah, then I'll take him. He, <laughs> you see, I'll, I'll take Michael to Barbados, but then he's not going to want to come back. He's going to stay. I, I haven't been to Barbados since 1987. Oh, gee, man, come on. You need to go back. I'm obsessed with Barbados. Fully, thoroughly. I was there for too brief a period of time. But I feel like the people I met, I'm like, okay, well, we're, we're best friends for life. But I worked with um, Blue Isles, which is run by Nicholas Delaney. And pretty much like in the last minute, put together like this sort of amazing whirlwind itinerary. And Derek Morgan, my guide. And I remember like the first day I landed, it was the end of the Caribbean spray. I was like, really, to be honest, like kind of exhausted. Driving in Dominica is like not for the thing. I just, it'd been moving around a lot. And then I had like this, this urge. I was like, I just want to go home or whatever. Go to the house Barbados, draw, like chill, put on the rope, chill. And then the other side of me was like, you're not in Barbados very long. Like, you can't do that. So, you know, Derek <laughs> and I were already like hitting off his friends. And I'm happy though. I like leaned in. It was like, okay, we're going to go to the fish fry. And then we're going to go to the, and then it ended up at like three in the morning. I'm sure you know. So you did Oystens. Yes, we were at Oystens, but we ended up at this karaoke bar that looked like it, it was like essentially a warehouse on the water. I was the only like non-Bajan human there. But everyone, <laughs> every, it was like, everyone was like obsessed with Neil Diamond, which is very funny to me. I was like, I didn't expect this to happen. We Caroline. Yes. yes. And I am, I said, the song like Derek was performing. It was just like so cool. And then I thought that everyone I met was like, people talk about Bayesian charm. Like it's like a famous thing in the way, like, you know, it's like, like they're famous for their hospitality and their warmth. And but I find it's like really true. I'm like Barbados is like the Switzerland. The Don't inflate Dave's hit anyway. No, I, 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 I <laughs> I, if I hear someone's from Barbados, me too, I'm like, oh, cool. Okay. You know, there's just, there's just something extra to it. And Barbados isn't close to the other islands as well. No. It's like no. off the side. You know, it's got its, it's got its entirely own vibe going. It's the furthest east. Yes. It's the yeah. best surfing in the Caribbean. That's where I learned how to surf, which is also probably why. But Alan Burke was my guide and he's amazing. His son is now like a professional. He was the first professional surfer in Barbados. We yeah. met and he... You know, he could, he spoke normally to me, but then if someone else came by, I had no idea what he was saying. Do you know what I mean? Like his, like mm -hmm. his, the Bajan accent was like beyond the point where he was like, well, I, like I grew up here because he looked, I thought he was like British or something. Do you know what I mean? Like I was getting, he was like, well, I, I, yeah, it was like, I grew up here. I'm the first professional surfer. I've got all this blah, blah, blah. And then speak, say something entirely different to someone who's walking by. And like, he's probably telling him like this, this girl's not gonna be able to surf. And he's like, listen, I was like, look, I've tried to surf before in Rhode Island and I just, like, I cannot get up on the board. Like I've never gotten up on the board. 
but you know, I wanted to do a story on how um, Barbados is this like hotspot for surfing. And Kelly Slater is his friend, and he was like, "I can't tell you, Kelly was here." I'm like, "Okay, well, I guess Kelly was just here, you know." But yeah. it was like every single person who I've ever taught, they get up on the board. He's like, "I don't, I have a zero percent fail rate here." He's like, "You're gonna get up." It's just so much confidence, and I did. Like, I got up, I caught the first wave, and I was like, "If he." He's just, yeah. And he was like, you got to have that. Like that is everything. He was like, you growing up here, I can tell you this. He was like, Mm -hmm. like, this is Barbados surf lesson. (laughs) Yeah, I love it. Well, we're not going to waste our time telling anybody how to get to the Bahamas like we normally would. Because if oh you can't God, figure out how to get to the Bahamas, <laughs> God help you, because <laughs> it's not that hard. Um, but your experiences in the Bahamas, did we leave anything out? Something where I feel like I'm missing something. No, oh, I mean, honestly, I feel like we've touched on everything. I think we spent more time in Bimini than I was thinking we would, but I thought we'd do more in Nassau, but I'm happy that we that we touched, that we did more Bimini almost because I feel like people do know about NASA and Bimini is underrated. Like even recounting, even talking about that trip with you, I was like, that was so unique. Yeah. That was so cool. I mean, I mean, like what, what Dave was suggesting about uh, going out to the Exumas or to Luther or something like that. Mm-hmm. Those are the outer, some of the outer islands of the 700 that are like, they're what beautiful. They got populations of less than 5,000 yeah. people. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. I remember being on um, the, the Zoomers, met some locals. At the time, the population was just over 4,500, and they were complaining that it's overpopulated. <laughs> I figured out what Bimini reminds me of, and this is another reference that's in that Caribbean so maybe won't help as much, but Dominica, if you, if you go out towards Marigal in Dominica, which is like a hilly mountain, it were, the people I met in Bimini, Really reminds me, and the people I met in Dominica, in that part of, in like the northern, I think it's the northern coast of Dominica, had the same sort of energy where it's like very open, very welcoming, and like a really beautiful but very laid back way of life. That's so unique now. There are very few people who who do live in these sort of paradises, right? In that sort of, way. and they and they have no desire to get on a boat. No. That's all. They are perfectly content right no. where they are. I think there's a misconception. I've discovered this amongst other writers. Well, they'll be like, oh, well, they'll feel sorry for someone or they'll feel uncomfortable if someone is like a different socioeconomic circumstance than they do or something. I'm like, they, nobody wants to be you. Like people really, you know, there's people, I don't know. I think that sometimes people can be so narcissistic to think, okay, well, you know, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be happy living like by the beach like this, but I don't, that's it's just such a limiting way of thinking. I think. I, yeah. I think that's, I, that. I think that one of the benefits too of like going more off the beaten path, whatever is that you do, get embraced into sort of a way of life that's just like very open and probably because it's not flooded by tourists who are being rude like the Atlantis. Right. But, yeah. Said so I can go to a casino anywhere. There's plenty of those right where I live. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> um, so, Catherine, uh, you've got some other exciting adventures that you're going to share with us in future episodes. Uh, I, I know you offered up the Maldives, but... Uh, I hope. I, you know, fingers yeah. crossed. I never... It's still a pandemic, but I think it's happening. I'm pretty sure it's cool. happening. All right. And uh, we, we were actually going to do Nepal this week, but we pushed it back for yeah. all the obvious COVID reasons. But uh, you got a couple other destinations uh, that are escaping my memory at this point. 
Um, Sweden. I know we talked about Sweden. Sweden, um, yes. I wanted to talk about this, like, West Sweden. I think it's just, like, very underrated story. But basically, they have these glass houses, these glass cabins that are, that they call them, they're almost like, I feel like Scandinavia really trademarks. And it's like they patented the word happiness because they're happier than the rest of us. But I spent, like, better part of the week living in this glass house in the Swedish countryside and so cool. And I, yeah, I would love to do a deep dive into that, but what else do we, we talked about? Oh, Nepal, yeah, we, New Nepal, Zealand, New Zealand, right. New Zealand. Um, oh, we, I, we, we, we got a whole bunch for you folks. Don't, don't, uh, uh, we're all just uh, drawing brain cramps right now, but trust me, we've, we've got a lot of, uh, more Catherine adventures coming up. And, uh, I used the word adventures, that definitely applies to you. You're 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 like a little daredevil. <laughs> I, I feel like when talking to you, but like, I mean, I feel like I've spent the past, as everyone has, the past year. I feel like I've been pretty sedentary, and I'm like talking about the stuff. I'm like, God, that was sort of crazy. It would be talking about being. It would be cool to to do Nepal, and I don't know. I know it's like a tough time to be covering Nepal because of what's happening with the COVID crisis so devastating. And I've talked to friends there. It's funny because I and my friends in Nepal checking up on me a lot at the beginning because it was like America, America is going, but I wonder if it would also be good to cover Nepal to touch just because I was just sort of spotlight. Like a lot of people go to Nepal, not to preview our whole episode too much, but like, it's almost like a race to the bottom with the tourism industry there, where people will charge less than $10 a night for the hotel. And, you know, you'll get people who spend less than $20 their whole trip. They're trying to develop more of like a, like eco, like sustainable travel is like more to do than like the carbon footprint. It's also like people's lives there. I wonder if it would be interesting to sink. I don't know. I don't yeah. know. We can talk about that. We'll, we'll play around with it. All right, folks. Well, we have kept Catherine for way too long. She's been off for at least an hour plus already yeah. that I know of. Um, so we are going to wrap up this episode of uh, our journey to the Bahamas, primarily Bimini and uh, New Providence. Um, and uh, our shark tails will uh, have to wait for another day, especially, especially Dave. Dave. Dave pours rum down here. That's why the sharks stay away from Dave. He's got rum in him before he gets in the water. Uh, yeah, that is true. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, Catherine, again, thank you for uh, doing this. Oh. And um, we're going to have a little more fun with you uh, 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 over the summer months and the months ahead. So this uh, podcast on the Bahamas will be on the homepage under the adventures section. It's Catherine's own section. Nobody else gets to post there except her and occasionally me. Um, so uh, look for this episode uh, on the Bahamas and there will be also some companion editorial that goes with it. Also written by Catherine herself. So uh, she can give you the lay of the land probably better than Dave and I can. And, uh, and I've been to the Bahamas just as much, if not more than she has. And I know Dave has. So we're yes. looking forward to all sharing our Bahamian experiences with you. And on that note, I think I'm going to wrap up this podcast on behalf of my dear friend, Dave Cumberbatch. This is Michael Gordon Bennett saying so long, and we'll see you next time on another episode of TripCast 360. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>